Hi everyone, EU GDPR's household exemption can be applied to blockchain. This is what this episode will be all about. Have fun. Welcome to The Blockchain Lawyer, a podcast on technology and law. Dennis Hilleman is an accomplished lawyer with over 13 years of experience and a passion for creating a better future through blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive innovations. All statements expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the host and his guests only and are in no way legal or financial advice. And now, here is your host, Dennis. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of The Blockchain Lawyer. It's Monday, the 25th of November 2019, and it's just one day before the event on at the IGF, the Internet Governance Forum on Blockchain in Berlin. The event is called Trilogy on Blockchain Sustainable Development and Privacy. It was organized by Jörn Abgut and is actually sponsored by KPMG Law as well. And it will be streamed live on blockchain-gdpr.info, blockchain-gdpr.info. But you will also find, if you listen to this episode later, YouTube videos, uh, as far as I understood, of the program, of the speeches on that site. So go check it out. And yeah, I'll be speaking with many cool people, such as Michel Fling, Michael Collane, Jörn Erbgut himself, of course, and other really cool uh, people like Olga Stepanova, David Salve, Philip Quiel, Silvan Jungerius, of course, Alexis Kosson, Katrin Kirchert, Thomas Negele, and so on. You could just mention a couple more. Yeah, and I'll be speaking there on the household exemption on GD- EU GDPR and the question if it can be applied to blockchain scenarios. I'll be speaking at 3 p.m. Berlin time. And I'll also will be the moderator of the panel at 5.15 p.m. on Canadian and California law on privacy and blockchain. So looking forward to that. It will be a lot of fun. So anyhow, as you are the listener of my podcast, I'll already give you my speech, even in a little more detailed way, because tomorrow I just have 15 minutes. So we'll already be diving into the question if the household exception on EU GDPR can be applied in a blockchain scenario. So what's it all about? Michel Fink wrote a really good paper on blockchain and the general data protection regulation um, coming from the European Parliamentary Research Service. It was just published in July 2019. And I'm quoting this paper because I want to go into it too with my topic, the household exemption. But she also pretty much really put down well why blockchain and EU GDPR do have a lot of tension. And I want to quote a little from this paper, from this awesome paper, because at the beginning of this paper, she pretty much lays down where the tension between EU GDPR and the blockchain technology lays. And I want to highlight that a little before I go into the household exemption. First, the GDPR is based on the underlying assumption 
that in relation to each personal data point, there is at least one natural or legal person, the so-called data controller, whom data subjects can address to enforce their rights under, under EU data protection law. Blockchains, however, often seek to achieve decentralization in replacing a unitary actor with many different players. You all know from my papers, uh, from my uh, podcast, that the blockchain is decentralized, that there shouldn't be a central authority. And the EU GDPR, as Michel pretty much lays down right at the beginning, always has the assumption that there is a central authority to whom I, as a user, can address my issues with my data uh, on the central server, on the central solution, and who and this central authority then has to check if my data was actually heard, it has to check if my data can be erased, and so on and so on. And in a blockchain scenario, with a lot of decentralized players with the nodes participating in the blockchain, we don't have that central authority. So that's the first big issue when it comes to blockchain and the EU GDPR. It's not the only one, and Michelle lays down the others as well, but that's the first big issue. Now here's the second quote from this paper from Michel. Second, the GDPR is based on the assumption that data can be modified or erased when necessary to comply with legal requirements such as Article 16 and 17. You know, that are the rights to rectification, the rights to erasure of personal data. For example, you can demand from Amazon to erase your personal data. From Facebook, you can all demand that. And blockchains, however, render such modifications or data purposefully on errors in order to ensure data integrity and to increase trust in the network. You know, we all question the right to erasure. Can that be applied to the blockchain? And we all know that this is a big topic, which we'll also probably very much talk about. Michelle then also highlights that the EU GDPR is all about data minimization, which is also not something that the, EU, uh, that the blockchain scenario is all about. And she also questions if the technical specifications and the governance structure of a blockchain is at all EU GDPR compliant. This is a big topic that we'll absolutely look into in this podcast as well. This is something that I'm working with on the Dean Spec um, 4997 the industrial norm I've been working with on in Germany, which is called Privacy by Blockchain Design. And today I just want to focus on the household exemption because, and that's the good news, if the household exception applies, we don't have any legal trouble with blockchain. So the household exemptions could actually be a good thing. What is it? At the beginning of the EU GDPR, in Article 2, um, paragraph 2, letter C, letter C, the EU GDPR states that the regulation does not apply to the processing of personal data, and now here it comes, by a natural person in the course of a purely personal or household activity. And this is very interesting, and it was discussed also in a very, very controversial manner. It means that when, it, when the household exemption um, applies, when the family exemption applies, then it's regardless of what data you have, even the most sensitive health data, then if that is, uh, that is processed 
under the exemption of the household exemption in Article 2, Paragraph 2, Letter Z of the EU GDPR, the whole EU GDPR does not apply. And that's regardless of if it's on a centralized server or if it is in a blockchain scenario. So what are the two conditions? The EU GDPR does not apply to the processing of personal data, A, by a natural person, and B, in the course of purely personal or household activity. That are the two conditions. We need a natural person that is processing data. As soon as we have a legal person processing personal data, the household exemption cannot apply because it must be all about a natural person. And the whole processing of the data must be in a, in a purely personal or household activity, meaning that the processing of data must not be related to any professional or economic activity, but also not for any other activities such as welfare, such as NGO, if you're working for an NGO and you're processing data, you're out of the household exemption. Also, if you're saying something political, if you're processing data in a political environment, then the household exemption does not apply as well. It must be purely for personal or household activity. And any legal uh, entities are completely out of the household exemptions because they, by nature, cannot process data uh, in relation to personal or household activity. So what are examples for the exemption to apply? The exemptions are private chats and emails, security cameras at your house, but only if you're only covering the user's property. As soon as you ever cover also the property of others or public ground, you're out of the household exemption with your camera. Keeping a private bank account from which alimony is wired to another account, even if wage payments are received on the same current, ac current account. The sporadic sales of own second-hand uh, items on eBay and uh, anything that's private correspondence even on social media. But data processing, when, it, when you want to use the household exemptions, must serve no other purposes than purely personal or household activities. Even if a purpose of personal or household activities is predominating, any data processing serving other purposes prevents the household exemption from being applicable. For example, collecting data of both private and business contexts leads to GDPR rules being applicable, as well as as using the list of phone numbers in one smartphone for both private and person and professional activities. So you see the applicants of the rule is very strict. You must absolutely only use it for personal or household activities. Personal means like it must be something for leisure. It must be something you for your activities outside work, outside also of organization. It must be something that you do on vacation, something that you do within your family ground. The term family is not restricted, of course, to family members as in a legal sense. It's not quite clear if all friends are meant, but I think it can be applied to anything that has a relationship that has a bonding and could be would be considered by everyone as a private relationship, be it a friendship, be it a relationship. Uh, uh, romantic relationship, 
be it something similar in that sense. So you see, like the household exemption is very limited in its use cases, and we must make sure that, it's, that it stays limited in its use cases, because as I said at the beginning, even healthcare data in this in uh, this logical sense of the household exemptions can be processed without the EU GDPR being applicable. So we already must keep it secret, uh, keep in mind that the household exemptions must be only used in a varied number of use cases. So the question arrived if the household exemptions can be used for private people, for natural people, for natural persons when using their data in a blockchain scenario. And here we have basically two opposing points of view. The first one is coming from the French Data Protection Authority, the Commission Nationale de l'Informatique et des Libertés, from now on called the CNIL. And the other one is coming from the European Parliamentary Research Service, with a paper of Michel, as I mentioned at the beginning. And basically, they say the following. The CNAL says, yes, natural persons are able to enter personal data on the blockchain in a way not relating to a professional or commercial activity, and therefore the household exemptions could be applied. But Michel, in her paper, and the, European, and the paper of the European Parliamentary Research Service, doubts the same because for some for two reasons first of all when it's on a blockchain it's public and a limited number of people can actually access the data be it hashed or at least see the transaction and the second thing is any blockchain from this point of view is probably used in a commercial way or at least in a way that is not only for personal matters or for household activities so the CNIL paper was released in 2018 and the CNIL tried to give users of blockchain a lead in which way the household exemption and other rules of EU GDPR can be applied in a blockchain scenario. It also states at the beginning that based on the traditional idea of decentralized networks, GDPR rules define legal obligations in relation to a subject's role in the network. In a centralized network, there has to be someone determining the purpose and means of the processing of personal data, the controller in terms of a GDPR. In a ramified but still centralized network, there might also be entities that process personal data on behalf of the controller without determining the purpose and means, the processor under EU GDPR. Following the rise of a blockchain, authorities are confronted with decentralized networks connecting many participants. And the CNIL approaches the task by examining if the participants of blockchains can be put in the legal categories of controllers and processors. That's the approach. And therefore, the CNIL says the participant of a blockchain can be a controller, where the said participant is a natural person, and the personal data processing operation is related to a professional or commercial activities. For example, activities not strictly personal, for example, if a notary records his client property deed on a blockchain. Or the second uh, reason or the second time when a participant is a controller, 
Then the set participant is a legal person who registers personal data in a blockchain. For example, if a bank enters the client's data on a blockchain. If they do that, person, a natural person using a blockchain for a professional, in a professional environment, then, they, then that natural person is a controller. Or if a legal person enters personal data of a natural person on a blockchain, then of course it's also a controller. The CNIL also addresses if minors are uh, be a, a controller and the CNIL says the following. The minor can't be a controller because they only validate transactions submitted by participants and are not involved in the object of these transactions. Therefore, they don't define the purpose and the means of processing. However, they could be seen as processors following the controller's instructions when checking whether the transactions meets technical criteria. But the CNL recognizes the particular difficulties coming with this classification and announces an in-diff reflection of the matter. And also the CNIL addresses the issue of a smart contract developer can be a, a controller and a processor and it says it depends very much on the role the smart contract developer has. Regarding smart contracts, as for any software, the algorithm developers might simply be a solution provider or when the said algorithm developer participates in the processing, may be qualified as a data processor or even data controller, depending on its role in determining the purpose of the processing. So you see the CNIL approach is to determine who is a controller and who is a processor in the blockchain scenario. Also approaches the cases in which participants make a joint uh, make a joint um, operation so when a group of people participants or entities work on the blockchain for a common purpose and the CNAL recommends for any participants to take a joint decision of a data controller's responsibility therefore by either creating a legal person in the form of an association or economic interest group or designating the participant who makes decisions for the group as the data controller. And if they don't do that, if they don't identify a data controller in a joint scenario, then as a result, all participants are likely to be considered joint controllers. Therefore, they, could, they would have to determine their respective responsibility to ensure compliance with GDPR rules. Now, leading back to, as we have noticed with rules, then we should notice back, but does the CNIL also applies the household exemptions? And yes, the CNIL states the following. Furthermore, natural persons who enter personal data on the blockchain that do not relate to a professional or commercial activity are not data controllers pursuant to the personal or household activity exclusion set on set out in Article 2 of the GDPR. For example, a natural person who buys or sells Bitcoin on his or own behalf is not a data controller. That's the opinion of the CNIL, but it doesn't give any further explanation or guidance on that. So what the CNIL actually does is like, if we look back at the examples that I get at the beginning, 
If you have private chats on the internet, private chats on WhatsApp, private chats on Facebook, if you do private groups on Facebook, on social media, which is possible, and that you only discuss private personal matters, family matters, family matters such as, then you are in the household exemption. And I think the basic idea is, why shouldn't this apply to blockchain as well? Why shouldn't this from the CNAL point of view, apply to blockchain as well. Let's do a social network on blockchain. We all know there are solutions out there that are already working on that, like from the EOS network. So why shouldn't the household exception apply in the same way? And of course, if, for example, we have a bank account, we receive money on that, we transfer money on that. And as you notice at the beginning, a bank account, your private bank account can be applied under the household exemptions. Yeah, why should it be different in a blockchain scenario? I think at first glance that makes pretty much sense. But as I already told you at the beginning, in the European Parliamentary Research Service paper, Michelle Flink has worked out uh, Michelle Fink has worked out pretty good arguments why this is probably not to be compared as such. She underlines in the paper that the former European Court of Justice rulings probably make it impossible to apply the household exemption in a blockchain scenario. VOC and Bold Linquist, a ruling from 2004, but also in subsequent rulings, stated that in internet-related situations, that in internet-related situations, a household activity can be affirmed with the processing of personal data consisting in publication on the internet so that those data are made accessible to an infinite number of people. In the opinion of the European Parliamentary Research Service paper, this leads to a second test relating to the scope of dissemination, to the scope of dissemination of personal data being added to the household exemption beyond the legislative, legislative text. What does this mean? The legislative text only states the household exemption is applied if we have a natural person processing data for personal or household activities. That are the two conditions. But if we indeed look at the European Court's justice, European Court of Justice rulings, then it states that if the data is made available on the internet, to an infinite number of people, then the household exemption cannot apply. The idea is that we have a closed shop, so to speak. We have a closed shop of people addressing data in the household exemptions. A closed shop of people that can look into the data, that can address it. And as soon as we don't have this closed shop, as soon as we don't have that, and the household exemption cannot apply anymore. As a result, private and or permission blockchains are likely to occur in a commercial or prof professional context, was falling short of a test set out in Article 2 GDPR regarding the nature of the activity. Or, and public and permissionless blockchains may be used in the course of a purely personal or household activity but they would nevertheless involve the scope of dissemination 
that can't be controlled by the data subjects. We know how blockchain works. The whole blockchain database is stored on a series of nodes worldwide and therefore it's spread all over the world. So the closed shop idea that lays beyond or that lies behind the whole family exception, the whole household exemption, that does not apply here. That at least is the idea of Michel Fink. So, only a blockchain, both private and permissioned, and non-professional, might be in accordance with the household exemptions. So, what are the conclusions of all of this? First of all, the CNIL paper is the first paper from an authority of an EU member country to propose solutions to the problems regarding blockchain technology and GDPR legislation. That's at least a good thing. Second, developers of smart contracts can't be considered as falling under the household exemption since they function as processors, at least that's the idea of the CNIL. Miners could also be regarded as processors, on which there is no consensus yet, however. It remains doubtful, at least, that the household, ex that the household exemption is applicable at all to the processing of data with means to the blockchain since the ECG, ECG demands a restrictive interpretation of Articles 2 GDPR. Both the nature of activity and second, the scope of dissemination of personal data have to be examined. And I think Michel is very right here. When we say the blockchain goes worldwide, even if the information personal data is hashed, she has a very strict idea of if it's still personal data, if it's hashed, you should absolutely read her paper. So if the blockchain is spread worldwide, this idea of a closed shop where not everybody can access it, like for example, a private Facebook group in which you have to be permitted in, it's not accessible to everyone. At least if we look at that, then she's probably right. And therefore, I agree that the CNIL offers an overly broad interpretation of the household exemption. However, if even data processing on blockchain in the course of personal activities implies legal obligations pursuant to the GDPR, as the EPRS suggests, the question must be raised on of how, and more importantly, if these obligations can be legally enforced. This will cause practical questions nearly impossible to solve, at, uh, which might imply that the EPRS opinion is even too strict. I think the solution is, on mute, is in mutually agreed standards on national and international level, such as our work on the DeanSpec 4997, the privacy of, on blockchain design, industrial norm that we are creating in Germany. Basically, I think that's a great subject. Can the household exemption apply? It's really interesting to, to ask the question, am I a controller when I, when I buy Bitcoin in a blockchain scenario just because I control it, the data entered, and the, or at least the data is entered in a scenario where everyone can approach the data? I mean, you just need a blockchain browser to see the transaction and even if everything is anonymous or at least pseudonymous, Michel argues that's still personal data. And the whole Bitcoin blockchain 
is not only spread worldwide, which would already speak against the closed shop argument that comes from the household exemption, but moreover, isn't that a more, isn't that a scenario which is commercial? I mean, we all know how much Bitcoin trading there is, even if Bitcoin went down the last days. We all know that, that this is not purely for a personal use. So what I think is that we actually do have an issue here. And if you ask me, I would honestly reply that in most cases, I think the household exemption would not apply, at least not for blockchain developers and for blockchain service providers. They, for them, that it wouldn't apply. For people on the blockchain, I think we must really ask ourselves a question. If we want everybody to participate in a public blockchain to be a controller of data, which also leads then to many personal obligations under the EU GDPR. I think we do actually have a big issue here and we need to solve this issue by creating guidelines from your European Data Protection Board, by creating guidelines from a national data authorities. Because how can it be that the household exemption can apply in a Facebook scenario if I have a close group on Facebook that is not visible to the public? Of course, Facebook fully fall, does not fall under the household exemption, but the people using Facebook in a close group. And how can this be possible that it's discussed that the household exemption applies here under the condition that everything is purely personal and not, and not if we use a blockchain because the, blo the Facebook servers are also everywhere and the blockchain just because we have nodes saving the database worldwide then it should not apply. I'm very doubtful of that and I think we must discuss that but for now as a legal advisor I would also say that Right now, with this status, the household exemptions would probably not apply in most cases. Anyhow, see, this is nearly half an hour now. Tomorrow I've only got 50 minutes. Let's see how I will minimize my debate on this tomorrow. And yeah, perhaps you tune in or you watch the video afterwards. I know even some listeners of my podcast will be aware and I'm looking forward to meeting you. If you want to discuss this topic, if you want to discuss any other EU GDPR topics related to blockchain or any other regulational matters related to blockchain, or if you just want to be an interview partner of this podcast, please contact me. Looking forward to hear from you and until soon. Bye-bye. If you want to learn more about Dennis, please visit his website, theblockchain.lawyer, or connect with him on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, everyone.